what EMDR really is going to work to help people with is any blocking beliefs or any thoughts or or um, experiences that they find that they're in a pattern with, right? That if they feel like they're thinking this thought or they have this belief consistently and it's and it's blocking them from moving through that in a way that feels more in, in their authentic self or more in their alignment, that's where EMDR can help to unblock that. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I'm your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Monica Helvey. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist in California and Texas. She is a certified EMDR therapist, a consultant in training, and is also a certified clinical trauma specialist. She provides online trauma-informed body-based interventions to help her clients achieve freedom from their painful past through insight and intention. Love that. Hi, Monica. Yeah. Hi. Thanks Hi. for having me, Robin. Thanks for doing this. I'm so excited. I have a lot of questions too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope I can answer them all. <laughs> yeah. So EMDR, um, I know it's been around, you know, for some time. Um, yes. I'm also really happy that more and more people are actually utilizing and asking for this service. Interestingly. Yes. But even then, I feel like there's some kind of unknowns in a way when it comes to EMDR. So first, could you explain, you know, for the listeners, especially maybe for those that aren't too familiar um, with EMDR, what exactly, one, what is EMDR, the, the letter stand for? And then also, what is it, uh, what type of therapy is it? Yeah, so more and more people, you're right, are talking about it. And, and um, sometimes I'll have clients ask me like, are we going to do the EDMR? And I'm like, no, 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 it's EMDR. So it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And um, it is a, it's considered a bottom up approach in terms of therapy. So it really taught, it really gets at that survival part of our brain first our body, our sensations, and then it incorporates our emotions and our language, right? So our cognitions, our thoughts. Um, so it, it really moves in a different direction, vice like a cognitive behavioral therapy, which really talks to the thoughts first and then the emotions and the behaviors. So yeah, love that. So what is EMDR good for? So EMDR is an evidence-based approach. And so they've done a lot of research on who it helps, how it works, all of those kinds of things. And, and really what I say is EMDR works well with a number of different concerns or issues. So I am a trauma therapist and a uh, specialist in anxiety. And so I use EMDR in my practice a lot for clients who are struggling with anxiety symptoms, trauma responses and things like that. Um, but it's, it works well with uh, grief, uh, depression, and, and a number of other issues that people are looking for relief from. That's good to know because I think, and this is a question like I've heard too, where it was like, well, as far as EMDR, like, do I have to have like, not only trauma, but like PTSD? Like is, do I, would I need to have that um, or potentially be experiencing those symptoms in order to receive, to receive EMDR? And it sounds like from what you're saying, no, not necessarily. 
No, no, no. Yeah, definitely. What, what EMDR really is going to work to help people with is any blocking beliefs or any thoughts or or um, experiences that they find that they're in a pattern with, right? That if they feel like they're thinking this thought or they have this belief consistently and it's and it's blocking them from moving through that in a way that feels more in, in their authentic self or more in their alignment, that's where EMDR can help to unblock that. Yeah. So could you walk me through um, kind of what this looks like in the therapy room? Like, let's say I'm like showing up to your office or via video, because it can also be done via video. (laughs) What would a potential client be experiencing? Like when you're doing the EMDR, like what would they be seeing? What would you be having them doing? What movements maybe are involved? Yeah. So such a great question. So Uh, A lot of clients who come to me wanting EMDR therapy um, sometimes think that when they come in for that first session, it's going to be like right away with the eye movements and, you know, desensitizing traumas. Right. And and so I like to remind them that it's an eight phase approach. So, you know, there are a, a series of steps that it takes before we get into the desensitization, um, the desensitization session. So um, that first phase is going to be like you come into my office and it may look very similar to any other type therapy appointment where I'm going to be asking you a number of details about your your history, your development, uh, your relationships, things like that. Um, And then as we move into the preparation phase, that's really where we're going to be talking about. Um, what coping skills are in your toolbox already and how can we better prepare you and resource you so that you can tolerate the desensitization sessions. Um, Phase three will be an assessment where we're really setting up whichever target belief you want to work on. So again, this is very collaborative, but it still very much looks like a traditional talk therapy session, right? We're talking, we're collaborating, we're we're strategizing. Uh, Now, Phase four is the desensitization, and that session should look different. So that's the typical session that most people expect to have for EMDR. Um, That's where you might come in, you and the therapist. If you're in the same room together, you might be sort of sitting um, like a staggered, like two ships passing in the night position. Um, And you might have a light bar that's in front of you where um, this light bar is essentially just a stick with a LED light on it that kind of moves back and forth. Um, And then you might notice your therapist might use audio bilateral stimulation or tactile bilateral stimulation, which would mean they might hand you a set of um, like little vibrating buzzers that you hold on to. And that would would trigger the bilateral stimulation for you. So um, that's really the session or the phase of of EMDR therapy that's going to look the most different than what you might see in a traditional talk therapy session. Um, But yeah, that one's going to have all the EMDR tools. (laughs) Yeah. So this is good to know because, and I think especially for the listeners, um, you know, when you face different things or you experience different things and you come into therapy, it can be quite scary. Like, how is this going to go? You know, um, and it sounds like this is very, there's some structure in a way, especially when it comes yeah. to, um, like you said, resourcing or, or safety. There would be some tools even before somebody gets to the point where they're working on these thoughts or beliefs or memories or whatever, um, whatever it may be. So there's, there is some um, of that, which I think is helpful for the for the listeners to know and then um you mentioned like you know the light bar you know and so just for the listeners it's kind of like it's the bar and then there's like a 
the light is going back and forth, right? Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there's the fingers are just kind of going back and forth with the fingers. Yeah. And then you mentioned mm -hmm. like the vibration. So, yeah. so it sounds like, so essentially like with say the light bar, it's like they're sitting still, right? Mm -hmm. And then the, their eyeballs are while their head is still are following that light going Correct. left to right or yep. sometimes at know, a diagonal or at yeah. a diagonal up and down. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so for that, like they're just sitting there kind of thinking about things while they're, mm -hmm. while they're tracking it. Right. Is that kind of how it's going? Yeah. yeah there, there's the goal is to have them have a dual awareness so that they're able to attend to what's happening inside of their body and what like images or memories or sensations are coming up for them, what emotions are coming up for them, but also having an awareness in terms of like, I am in my therapy office. This is not happening again. This is an old memory, right? Like, so that dual awareness of what is currently presently in the room and what is what they're tracking in their body. Yeah. So I always try to like anticipate uh, potential questions. And yeah. so, you know, the eye movement back and forth thing. Mm -hmm. I think what people usually think of is like hypnosis. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> so one, which I'm sure I know the answer to, you know, is this different from hypnosis, uh -huh. you know, and like how, like, how is that different? Yeah. So I am not trained in hypnosis. So to all the hypnotherapists that are out there, I apologize if I don't understand your art. Um, but, <laughs> but that said, like, um, with with EMDR, you are fully awake, you are fully conscious, right? And again, you are you are very attuned to your body and and the memory and the situation and what is being uh, prompted to you by your therapist, right? So with hypnotherapy, I think the idea that most people have is like you you're accessing the subconscious, so you're kind of going like below consciousness, right? And in EMDR, you are staying up in awareness, you are staying up in your consciousness. Um, now, in terms of the eye movement, what we're really trying to accomplish is what we're trying to access your brain and body's natural way of healing itself, right? So when you when you go to sleep, your eyes move back and forth in REM sleep, right? And that is when your brain and body are, are re restoring, repairing, consolidating the information from the day, you know, does that go to active memory? Is that long-term memory, right? Like that is your brain and body's natural way of healing itself and, and sort of running the updates that you need for the next day. So all EMDR is doing is accessing your body's natural way of healing and repairing and restoring things, but we're doing it in the conscious. So we're asking this information to come up into the active working memory so that we can reprocess it in a more adaptive, truthful, restorative way. Yeah. So being that you know, in REM, like the eyes are going back and forth, or even let's say even outside of session, then would this mean that say the client, um, there may be some without their intentionally like active doing some reprocessing, like happening outside of session, like after they kind of start those. those yeah. Yeah. It can definitely happen. So what I usually prepare my clients for, and, and this is part of what that preparation phase is for, right, is teaching my clients how to contain any distress or disturbance that might come up between sessions. But certainly the days immediately, the, the day immediately of your session or the, a couple of days after, your brain might still be, you know, processing and digesting that, that session. So as a EMDR therapist, I, I try to 
remind my clients to take notes of what happens, you know, those days following, they might notice some increased dreams. They might notice they're thinking about that memory, but they might find that they're thinking about that memory in a new way, or they're noticing it from a different angle or different perspective. So um, it's not necessarily always disturbing or distressing when they're thinking about it, like it was when they first brought it to therapy but they certainly might find that it's up in the consciousness in, in their awareness more than it was. That is so cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. To be able to look at things like, you know, differently. And it's just, it sounds like it's something that may just happen. Like I would have imagined someone just maybe going about their day or driving or whatever. And all of a sudden maybe they're thinking about something and it's like, Oh yeah, maybe it was like those, this was happening or they're kind of thinking about it. Like you said, in new ways. Memory can transform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what about like, you know, as we know, you know, being therapists, you know, people come in and like the older we get, sometimes the more experiences we have or, you know, different, um, different conditions or whatever. So would this be appropriate or how would this work with somebody who maybe has some other sort of condition? Let's think like maybe even if it was like TBI, like traumatic brain injury, like, is this something that could still like work for them? So potentially, yes, and potentially no. Part of that, again, phase one is really deciding like, is EMDR the right fit for you? There might be some uh, neurological uh, illnesses or, you know, ailments that might come in that might make it so that EMDR might not be the best fit, right? If you're moving your eyes and you're uh, at risk for seizures, you might need to get a note from your, you know, your doctor just to make sure that it is the right fit for you or that it won't impact any of the medications that you're taking and so on and so forth. Some of my clients that come in and they're um, taking like benzodiazepines, right. Or something that might help them to, you know, um, it works like a tranquilizer in your body, right. It, it, it softens those reactions. Well, what EMDR is doing is trying to activate, right. So that might be contraindicated. So, um, so there is absolutely, uh, some things that might need to be discussed with a medical doctor and just get a note to sort of clear you so that you could do EMDR if there is a chance that you might have seizures or that the TBI symptoms could be exacerbated by uh, doing the eye movement portion of EMDR. I think there's a lot of um, doctors that are learning more about EMDR and are actually like super supportive of clinicians using that with their patients. Um, for example, like chronic illnesses and things like that. Um, but it's always good to just make sure that the medications and, and the symptoms aren't going to be exacerbated. Yeah. So making sure to kind of rule out the the medical stuff first. And then also if there is something, you know, checking with the doctor first, and it sounds like maybe if somebody did happen to get cleared for it, they, as opposed to like the eye movement part, maybe it'd be like the, um, like the, the things tactile. that, you, yeah. yeah, the more tactile mm-hmm. ones, like the tapping or, um, mm-hmm. the or vibration the audio. Mm-hmm. or the audio. Yeah. Yep. What's the audio? Yeah. How does that work? So for some of the clients who use remote EMDR, what they have, there's actually a software that, that can be used where it's like a little ball that you can track on your screen and you can choose the color of that ball. And then you get to choose a sound that goes with that. So essentially there's a a ball that might move across your screen right to left or at a diagonal or up and down. And you will also hear like this tick, 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 tick that goes along with that. 
um, in order to really stimulate the bilateral um, audio component as well. That's so interesting. I love how there's all these different like alternatives to like how to yeah. how to do EMDR. Yeah, it's really a robust therapy. <laughs> um, so I know you know you are certified. You're EMDR certified um, therapist. Um, and then usually along that path, there's being coming trained in it, you know, so what's the difference between like maybe being trained in EMDR and then being an EMDR certified therapist? Yes. Such a good question. So, um, a lot of my clinician friends out there will know this reference, but like you can get EMDR trained through PESI, right? Like you could get trained, from a weekend training and it's like a two-day training or a four-day training and and that that you know makes it so that you can perform EMDR therapy ethically right it's now in your scope of practice um so so to be trained in EMDR it's a couple weekends um you'll want to make sure you get a consultation in that process of being trained. And that really like checks that box where you can stand behind that, I am trained in EMDR, right? And so you would get like 10 hours of consultation in that in order to say I'm trained in EMDR. Now, um, an individual who pursues that certification is really, they've done those two weekends, they've done those minimum consultation hours, but then they've gone beyond that and extended that and have even more consultation training. They'll get 10 hours of individual consultation and another 10 hours of group consultation, or they could do 20 hours of individual consultation. Um, so they're really really just getting a lot more supervision, a lot more consultation um, so that they can hone in their skill um, because EMDR is a um, like a structured protocol, but it is also like any other therapy. There's an art to it, right? Where you have to be as a therapist, attuned to what your client is needing so that you can pivot and make those adjustments as needed. Um, so that's the main difference between a, a therapist who's trained versus a therapist who might have pursued that certification. Yeah, that certification process sounds ama amazing, like super supportive. And also yeah. like that's a lot of hours actually, yeah. consultation <laughs> and supervision, which yeah. sounds beneficial because maybe questions come up or you know yeah. how to navigate it. Like you said, it's an art, like the uniqueness maybe of each each client's experience or like what they're coming in for. Yeah. Um, so that sounds great that there's, you know, there's so much support in that sense in the process of, um, you know, getting certified. And two, and I think of, I think of EMDR as like a specialty, like a niche, we call it like a niche, right, in our field. Yeah. Um, and so being that it is, could someone go to a therapist um, and receive EMDR for maybe something specific and then also um, see like regular weekly, like a different therapist for like regular talk therapy? Like, is that something that would be an option for somebody depending on what they're experiencing or going through? Yeah, uh, I think that's going to depend again on the client and the therapists that are involved. Um, for me personally, I have worked with clients who are in traditional talk therapy and then their provider there says, hey, this is really becoming outside of my scope in terms of the trauma. You should consider adding in EMDR therapy to our services. So I had taken over that lane in terms of like processing the trauma and mitigating the symptoms that were showing up 
in regards to the trauma while the other provider really specific, you know, focused in on the other areas of concern from the client. So um, that I think it can be done. I, I really come from like a, a holistic approach in terms of my, my therapy. So I'm like, yeah, you know, if you have a team, I don't mind working with your team. Um, but each therapist might have a different approach to that. And depending on the symptoms or if there's too much overlap, we don't want to duplicate the service. So um, yeah, that would definitely be something that needs to be, you know, screened for, but it, it can be done well. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like each therapist making sure they're kind of focusing on their part, which mm -hmm. are different as opposed to it overlapping. Correct. So mm -hmm. it'd be, you know, the client kind of, okay, I'm, I'm speaking with the EMDR therapist about these particular, um, you know, thoughts or memories or, you know, whatever had happened. Mm -hmm. And then the weekly talk therapist would be like the other, the other yes. pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's good in the sense that there's, it kind of depends, right? Depends yeah, on the client. I know it's such a lame answer, but it's true. <laughs> it <Yeah. does> depend. <laughs> it does depend. And then also too, for this, it would be then um, as therapists, we can like coordinate with each other. We just do like that. Yeah. They call it like a release of information. So we leave like something. So it's, we maintain confidentiality unless, you know, Correct. clients like, you know, sign off on it. So um, in that sense, it's just helps with the treatment planning. So in that, that this case, then definitely like both therapists are kind of um, getting their, their release of information on that um, to be absolutely. able to collaborate. But if possible, it sounds like it'd be huge, you know, for the client yeah. too. And it can be really helpful, even in terms of like, with the talk therapy, they might sometimes run into some stuck places with a client, right? Like, well, we've reframed this or we've created, you know, these different plans around this. And yet this continues to be the negative belief. And that's where, again, it's like, ah, okay, this is a little bit more insidious than we originally, you know, thought it might be. And, and that's where, again, the EMDR can really help to unstick that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, anything I didn't ask about EMDR that you'd like to talk about or mention what the listeners to know about? Well, I, I want to say it's like, it, it's, it's different than other therapies in the sense that it is this bottom up approach. And, and I want to say that for some clients, if you're feeling that you are stuck in talk therapy, like it's, you've been going around and around on this issue and you're feeling like you're still in the same place with it. Um, that may be because you need to consider a bottom-up approach. It doesn't necessarily have to be EMDR. It may look like somatic, uh, therapy, another body-based therapy. Um, but particularly with trauma or, uh, complex PTSD, there, there are biological changes that happen when you experience those experiences, right? Your, your, your brain and your body physically change as a result of those experiences. So at some point we have to address the body and help yeah. that body to correct and make that adjustment. Otherwise, again, you might be really doing some really great work in terms of the cognitions, but you're still leaving out a really important piece of the work. Yeah. Let's say what is what would that stuckness like look or feel like? Like how would maybe the person know like, okay, maybe I'm kind of stuck a little. Yeah. I think, I think when, when I have people come to me asking like, is this going to work for me? Like I, the, the things I hear them say is like, 
I have been reading the self-help books. I've been listening to the podcast. I've been following my therapist on TikTok. I've been in therapy, you know, very consistently for a long time. And I just, it's like, I know in my head, fill in the blank. It's not my fault. Or I did everything I could or, you know, whatever. I'm not responsible for that. But I can't absorb that. Like, I, I really can't absorb that statement. Like, I know it's not my fault, but I don't feel like it's not my fault. That's that discrepancy there, right? Where it's like, yeah, in your mind, you have done all the work. You adaptively and logically and rationally know. But your body is like, well, it still feels like it. Ha- it still feels like it was my, you know, and that's that stuckness there, right? Where it's like the body is still holding on to that painful past truth. Yeah. I haven't been able to update. Got it. Okay. Would it also help if someone maybe, like, I think um, maybe, you know, when someone's young or like a child, you know, say they went through something mm-hmm. or um, sometimes with uh, certain traumas, there's being able to verbalize or, you know, label and identify like what that experience was like can be quite challenging. Um, so in those particular cases where it's like trouble with getting in touch, you know, Mm -hmm. with what those thoughts or feelings were in that moment, like it's becoming hard, it's hard to access it. And let's say they're like, you know, with therapists and they're, you know, sometimes in talk therapy, like, how'd you feel about that? And they're like, I don't know, like (laughs) I'm having trouble explaining this, you know, is that something that EMDR would also kind of help like? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because with EMDR, we don't necessarily need the thoughts or the emotion. We could just focus on the body sensation and and help the body to unstick. So that's why I I just that was a huge piece for me to actually say I want to get trained in this because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, I did all the you know trauma informed CVTs. I have done you know TRM models. I've done so many different you know trainings and trauma and modalities. But it was one of them that was like, I don't know the image or I don't, I don't even need to know the thought. I don't need to know the sensation. And you can focus on any one of those components. And by doing that bilateral stimulation, you're going to get there. And, yeah. and so I know that that can sometimes feel like, what? like, that's kind of woo-woo. But like, it's brain science. It works. Like it just accesses that memory network and it takes you right to the gold. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Well, thanks so much for doing this. This was super informative and and helpful. I feel like um, you clarified and kind of filled in the gaps for, I think, some unknown pieces that I've just kind of heard a lot. And even me, myself, I've had, honestly, um, because this is a specialty, right? You know, trained in it and going through the certification. So there's a lot of, you know, intricacies intricacies for this. And I think um, sometimes like therapy in general, but also something so specific like this. It's like, what does this look like? You know, so you've definitely helped clarify that. Um, if the listeners want to know more about you or find out more about you, where could they go? Are there any like websites or like social media handles? Yeah. So I try to make it really easy for everyone. My website is just my name. So it's monicahelvey.com. And um, on social media, it's the same on Facebook and on Instagram. It's just Monica Helvey. That's H-E-L-V-I-E. 
LMFT. That's it. It's easy. <laughs> cool. I will put both of those in the show notes. That way, um, everyone can just easily click on it. And you do your Cal- your California and Texas. So, um, so just a heads up for the listeners. Um, we are licensed by state. So if you <laughs> live in the state of California or Texas, then you can yes. also reach out to Monica um, for services. And being in those states when you sign on to that video appointment, that's another piece, a big crucial piece, which is interesting. Yeah. So many yes. words, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks again. Thanks again for doing this. It was good. So good having you on. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guest are listed in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram at OpenMindNightPod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.